Well, hello once again, everybody. It is Maintenance Day. We are back. And let me tell you, uh, we're not lacking for anything this week. There's There's been a few things that have been going on. Uh, certainly there are games, but also uh, I think uh, myself and co-host Lance Lasowski are the only two people not injured uh, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres right now, at least, you know, when it comes to defense. I don't know what defense we're playing, but uh, but we're not hurt. Uh, we might be next in line topping on the third pair. I don't know yet, but uh, we're waiting for that call from Don Granato. But anyway, uh, hello, Lance. How are you? I'm doing well, Joe. Hey, we had Don Granato. He didn't do it on purpose, but he dropped a maintenance day line at practice when he explained Rasmus Dahlin's absent on, what was that, Friday? Is that Friday? I can't even remember. Or maybe it was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, yeah. No, but hey, four games this week. Um, and of course, beyond the results, now we wait to hear if Rasmus Stalin is going to miss any more time. Of course, he was a scratch on Saturday in Tampa Bay. And Joe, they actually performed pretty well without him. But let's face it, they cannot afford to be without him for any extended period of time. No, no, they absolutely cannot. And yeah, I, I don't think it takes I don't think it takes uh, much of a scientist to figure out where R- Rasmus Dahlin suffered his uh, upper body injury. I believe it was listed as upper body. I think. Uh, yeah, it was is listed as upper body. I, I think we can figure out very clearly where that happened, uh, where it was a European uppercut from from Kesberry Kokinyemi. Kokinyemi. I I, don't, I guess that's how you say his name. I I don't know. I I I. I However, however, our friend Dan Dunleavy wants to say, that's how I'm going to say it. It was Kokinyemi, uh catches Darlene with a, it's a gloved punch, obviously. It's, you know, they're scrapping with each other, but I really don't like that punch at all. No. It's no. It, it's borderline sucker punch, but it's not because they're both trying to punch each other. But I mean, it's kind of coming up around the official and popping them in the face like i don't there's a lot about that i just i just don't like at all but obviously uh well i can't say obviously because we don't know for sure but the certainly it seems like the after effects of that are uh darlene had darlene's hurting and it just happens to be coincidentally right after that happened so if it is what we think it is i think we can maybe assume what it is uh that probably doesn't mean he's they're gonna rush him back in the lineup i gotta think yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to rush him back. Regard, you look at Arizona as the next game on Tuesday night. That's a an easy one to if you're you're playing it cautious with anybody, no matter the injury. That's an easy one to sit somebody out. And Joe is, you know, we'll get into some of the other, you know, some other details from the other games as we have our conversation here, folks. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to, to hit this one first. And Joe, in previous years, I think back to of. Most notably, the last few years of the Eichel era in Buffalo, if Jack missed a game, this team would be just completely lost. <laughs> they would have no chance of really keeping up and and having any sort of fight out there, um, no matter the opponent. But on a night where they're in Tampa Bay, second game of a back-to-back, regardless, you know, of course, you don't want to play with that Rasmus Dahlin, but the Sabres perform pretty well, most notably Owen Power yet again. Yeah, Owen Power. Listen, he, he was thrust into the spotlight uh, with Darlene out. He had he had to be the number one defenseman. Had to be, which I I guess when you think about it, not a bad tryout considering because that's the role he's he he may will you know split with Darlene as time goes on. Uh, but he, geez, he looked awfully good. He looked awfully good. He's so composed. He's he's an unflappable kid. I, I always use that word with somebody who just doesn't like nothing seems to bother them. Nothing seems to affect them. And he just kind of ro- kind of rolls with it. And man, he's just he's just cool and quiet. And he just takes care of business. And she's I mean, he got thrown 20, what, 25 minutes. It was 24 minutes. He, he finished with 28 minutes, 14 seconds against Tampa. <laughs> 28 two assists Tampa. like six, six credited with six hits we all know the hit stat is a little goofy right. but you look at that game that he had i mean joey at 19 years old he's averaging 23 minutes nine seconds per game <laughs> through yeah. 12 games just insane what he's able to do i mean we all everybody who watched rasmus Dahlin's development closely of course 
don't compare the two too closely because one came from Sweden. The other one, of course, had a, an extra year at the University of Michigan, but really impressed with what he's been able to do at 19 years old, essentially playing a first pair role. You know, you look at the minutes, the responsibility and, you know, you heard so much about Owen Power. We saw quite a bit of him in college, you know, in person and, of course, from from afar. But I never expected the details in his defensive game to be as clean as they are. Now, they're not perfect by any means, but, man, like his game is just so well-rounded at this age. Just think just think what he's going, where he's going to be a few years from now when it comes to just both sides of the ice. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing you don't want to get too crazy about like you don't want to get too hyped and just say like all right all right all right okay like this is this is getting cool this is getting this is neat i like this but i don't know man there's been so many glimpses and peaks of like what he's able to do and what he's capable of doing and so much of it is little stuff that you're you know it's not it's not the the sweet toe drags and you know the you know the kind of stuff that delmine's been doing this year it's not any of that it's just always being in the right spot always making the right decision and and doing something that is maybe a step or two ahead of what is being expected of him by opponents, because he's, he's able to manage things and take care of it and just kind of roll and just goes. It's, it's really something else to watch. You're seeing him get more comfortable away from the puck and his own zone gapping. And it's <laughs> the confidence is bleeding into his offensive game. You're seeing him just look so much more poised and just confident and willing to take more risks when running their offense from the point. You look at that incredible pass he made to Victor Olsen on the goal against, was it Pittsburgh, Joe? God, it was a long week <laughs> of games. Yeah. yeah, it was Pittsburgh. <laughs> so to make that pass when he did um, in that situation against that opponent and just fake everybody out on the ice, yeah. Um, no, of course, like defensemen, there's going to be, and you're seeing it with the forwards too, the young guys on this team. Um, there's peaks and valleys when it comes to development. It's not linear whatsoever. But, man, like I'm just really impressed what I what I've seen from him. Um, and just the response, right? I mean, there were, there have been hiccups at times. It hasn't been perfect by any means, but really it's just the way that he's able, been able to, to have that hindsight and learn from, from those games. And like you said, he never looks overwhelmed or frustrated. He is just very even keel, which I'm sure has to help him when it comes to just soaking in information and, you know, between games working with, you know, Marty Wilford and Dan Girardi to make any corrections that he needs to. Yeah. And I know the first couple of games of the season, you could see a little bit of like, oh, oh boy. Oh, this is, this is, this is new. This is different. This is the NHL full time. Yeah. Like there was, I mean, there was, but that, but it was also adjusting to new partner, um, getting full on into what, you know, the the style of play is for them. I, I, you know, and, and like any mistake he made, it was, Honestly, a lot of it was making up for Henry going for a walk. <laughs> it was Henry kind of wandering away from where he should be and Owen going like, you're, you're supposed to be okay. Fine. I'll get it. You know, one of those kinds of things. And with, we love Henry. We love Henry, but Henry can wander sometimes. It's, it, it's fine. But, but in his case, like it just took him a couple of games to be like, okay, Henry's going to do that stuff. All right. I got it. Like, I know, yeah, I know what he's going to do now. And when he showed up in April, he was in midseason form. He had just played a long college season, played in the Frozen Four, and now you show up back in October, and it's, yeah, you trained all summer, and you had a couple of preseason games, but there's no way to, you got to play games. You got to really sort of experience it again and then have that that baseline of where you're at and where you need to get to, and it's the defensive side of things. And you're right, like, and I think that it's all, almost helped in a certain way, or it has to have, but like, now that Henry Okiaru is out, he's playing with K.O. Clegg, Lawrence Pilot, where that partner is keeping it very simple. Where Henry Okiaru was, there was more risk in his game, which there should be with the type right. of player he is, the experience he has. But K.O. Clegg, Lawrence Pilot, and you look at the results, you know, for the most part with Owen Power, the way that he's gotten, you know, really helped those other guys through games in a difficult circumstance. Like it really, not only does Kevin Adams have to feel good about where Owen Power is, which is of course what you would expect from a number one pick, but going out and getting these other defensemen on two-way contracts, it's helped them, you know, it hasn't been perfect at times, you know, especially there's been some guys, some games where one guy's down, the other one's up, they sort of switch on and off. No one's been going all at the same time. So they shorten the bench in the third period of games, but 
yeah, I mean, you've got a like Lawrence Pilot against Pittsburgh, really good game. K.O. Clay, you know, against Tampa Bay, a really good game. Just mm-hmm. and it's really helped them sort of weather this what could have been a disastrous situation with all these defensemen out of the lineup. And, you know, Labushkin gets back in against Tampa Joe, but clearly, you know, barely had any practice time. There was yeah. certainly some rust in his game at that point. When you have Owen Power, you know, and he's able to take those matchups, it's a huge help. Yeah, and I mean, Labushkin was there was certainly rust. I mean, geez, you don't get a chance to practice. You get like they didn't even have a morning skate uh, on Saturday because you know it was just booking it in from Raleigh. Um, so there, so there was really no no kinds of time for him to get in there, but it didn't stop him. He still had seven. No, you know, still, he still took care of, did his thing, made some people upset and grumpy, and that's that's good. That's what you need. You need a you need a shit stirrer back there, but. Uh, but man, Clay, Clay and power. I mean, I know when Clay gets the call up and it's, you know, it's a scramble situation because guys are just hurt. You know, you, you, it, this isn't, you know, it's not the ideal situation for Buffalo. It's not certainly not the ideal situation for Rochester, but this is why you sign guys that have this kinds of experience that have that ability to just be better than what you had before and you can jump him you know he can have he can jump in there and play well enough well instead Clegg's playing really well I, I mean again by the advanced numbers let's 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 just specify specify that I can talk really sometimes but uh the numbers are really freaking strong I mean <laughs> we're talking almost 70 percent Corsi four five on five and I I know that's power driving that bus but at the same point he still has to keep up he still has to do his part yeah, we've seen over the years so many defensemen get that call, that same call to the NHL where there's an opportunity and it doesn't work out. You know, whether they're overwhelmed or, you know, they have to, they have to play their offside, there is a very long list of names that I'm not going to run through. So the fact that they were able to bring up two guys, you know, in particular, in Pilot and Clegg, and, you know, Pilot's been more up and down. I really liked the way he played on Owen Powers' pair again. You know, when he got in there against Pittsburgh, but like, man, like that's what they needed. You know, injuries are going to happen and throughout the season. This team is incredibly lucky that Matias Samuelson is in a long-term deal to where that they know that he's going to be back just a, a matter of timeline at this point. Mm-hmm. It's going to help them tread water. You know, you can't replace Rasmus Dahlin. There's no question about it, Joe, but let's just say, I mean, based on what, we've seen here the last few weeks with Yuki Haru out, Samuelson, you know, Darlene getting at least some, you know, a little bit of a scare. It sounds like it's just day to day, but the reality is injuries are inevitable and you need to protect yourself as much as possible. So if you're in Kevin Adams seat and you have the assets that he does and the cap space, do you prioritize adding a defenseman? I'm not saying right away, because realistically it's going to be tough at this point of the year, but do you try to add one? Um, sometime between now and the deadline. I mean, so much can happen, but you know, let's face it. You know, their prospect pipeline on on D is not is not the strongest. Right. Yeah. It. I, I think you. I think you almost have to. Given. I mean, this is a freak situation with what's happened with the blue line. Here. Yeah. It's completely a freak thing, and th- this is something that they that a they prepared for, but nobody prepares for three of your top six to be out at once no you don't i mean you can prepare for anybody being out but you know if it's your number one guy well i mean that sucks like you're just kind of screwed there but uh but your top guy and another guy in your top four and another guy like that's the top guy's partner like all right (laughs) like you know it's i i don't know how you can protect against that but uh I, i think just to maybe keep things a little a little more even or a little bit more relaxed at the NHL level. I think you do add somebody. Plus you got to help Rochester out a little bit. You know, that's, it's the trickle down effect of what happens with this. Cause we saw it happen last year where tons of guys got hurt on D all these guys had to come out of Rochester to go to Buffalo. And then they were not prepared behind those guys in Rochester at all. Like they're, they did not have, they did not have the depth to be able to say, all right, well, we can, we can weather this because we have so-and-so we can do this because we got this guy here. They can kind of do that this year, although they're getting stretched pretty thin with this, but, but it affects so much development all over the place in Rochester for that. So I, I think if you add somebody, 
I, I don't know if you just if you add somebody for Rochester or if you go find somebody for for Buffalo just to kind of you know I I think maybe if you, you you see Clegg playing as well as he does you say like okay well maybe maybe we don't have to get a, get an any you know a full time top six NHL guy we can we can run with Clegg because when guys get back he'll be our number seven or whatever and if you add guys for Roch then that helps them out that calms things down there. And then you're then you're still good to go at, at the NHL level. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Like right now, the Rochester has three defensemen on PTOs. They have Brandon Davidson, Matt Barkowski, and I forget the gentleman's name, but they signed mm-hmm. him from I, the Iowa of the ECHL. Yes. So with where they're at, Chase Prisky, I believe, is still out. Although I think that the initial timeline indicates that he should be back somewhat soon, which would be huge for not only the Amherst, but the Sabres. And Henry Yoki, are you possibly practicing this week? We will see if that ends up being the case. The team sounded hopeful about it on Thursday. It's not something they could do now. Let's face it. The trade market, Ethan Bear, if you were if they passed on him, then they're not going to be interested in anything else at this at this point in time with the types of names right. that are out there. So I would no, of course, you're going to have to wait regardless, but I think that at some point, yes, you, you need to add a defenseman. And honestly, Joe, I would add somebody who can probably play on the PK because I, you know, I like Clegg. I like, you know, I like Pilot, Davies and Priskies. Those are all guys who can move the puck. They play with pace. They're the one, they really fit the style of play. I know that you don't want to lose that skating ability and that puck movement, but I would try to add a defenseman who is, plays a heavier game. You know, so if Labushkin's out of the lineup, you got somebody who can come in and play on the PK, who's hard to play against in front of the net. And you know, and again, the same goes for Samuelson. I just think they need that heavier presence because they do have a lot of defensemen down in Rochester who can come in and can come up in a pinch and help you, but they don't have that type of skill set. And I think it would be a, the perfect kind of complement to what they have right now. This is where we circle back to our the discussion we kind of started last week with Justin Braun, isn't it? Like, isn't this isn't yeah. that guy where you're kind of like, we can go get him. Like, he's he's I got a year left now. I, you know, I get like Torts is <laughs> Torts is dealing with a lot of stuff down there right now, including including uh, scratching our old our old pal Risto uh, very recently. But uh, but again, one, he's on a one year deal. Very easy to move that contract. Not that it matters to Buffalo, but um, but that's very easy for them. That's a very easy move for them to make, but you know I, I have to assume Torts is probably not too eager to let go of somebody that that plays the kind of defense that he wants to be seeing out there. Yeah, yeah, it, it, those are the types of names. And, and hey, as the season goes along, even a month from now, a few teams are going to be much more willing to move players. They'll have a better sense of okay, is our tank working or is our tank not working? Because <laughs> there's a few teams that might have to unload some talent to sort of push that tank over the cliff to ensure that they're higher up on the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But yeah. And right now they don't have the roster spots um, with Labushkin officially healthy again. And you know, nobody else is on IR. It's right. They're in this, this sort of wait and see game to try to get their defensemen healthy. And right now they got 13 forwards and technically eight defensemen with Davey still up. So it is something, you know, you know, in a, in a month or, or whatever it may be, I think that it would definitely be worth exploring. Because right now, you look at Joe, I mean, you wouldn't have to use assets on a goalie as of right now. Goaltending, you know, with you know, Uko Pekalukin in Rochester, you're good there. And, of course, at forward right now, they're they're pretty well set. Yeah, uh, they are. By the way, the uh, the, the player uh, the player of Rochester, Reese Zmolek. There you go. The son of Doug Zmolek, a longtime uh, kind of – grinder defenseman in the nhl i don't know how many people remember doug's bullock i do because video games folks video games can <laughs> remember names that you probably never remember ever before but uh but yes this is uh this i don't know this uh, it's frustrating to have this always be the discussion i mean for us like i'm sure it's very frustrating for for buffalo to have to constantly have to circle back on these i mean it's, it was goaltending before yeah. you know, years it was goaltending. Now it's defense. You know, it's defense. I mean, last year it was goaltending and defense, and the, I think the year before it was goaltending and defense. But, um, but I mean, just to have to keep coming back to these things again, it, it's part of the game. Like it happens, but it just seems like no matter 
what amount of preparation you put into this and no matter how much you you think you're like okay we're good you're never good you're literally never good to go because at any point <laughs> you can step on a mine and it's gone right now they do they need one or two more defensemen to really earn the trust of the coaching staff that they can be out there late in games now right now Rasmus Dahlin is averaging 25 minutes 54 seconds per game that's not bad but if this yeah. continues with what we're seeing you know he gets back into the lineup He's going to be trending toward that 28 minute, you know, 27 and a half minute mark just based on how much they need him, right? So they need guys to step up and show that Rasmus Dahlin doesn't have to play 11 minutes in the third period of games. You know, Owen yeah. Power doesn't have to play, you know, 10, 11 minutes. They need to be able to, they need to be in a spot where they can roll deep pairs. And right now, even though they're, they're really sort of finding a way to survive through all of this just seems like there's too much volatility night in and night out with a few of these guys, you know, one game, they're really solid. It drops off, you know, that's inevitable um, in the course of the season, but they need those peaks and valleys to of course be less frequent and of course, less extreme. Yeah. And I, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking over some of the minutes played here and the two games, the two road games here, Casey Fitzgerald, Played almost 10 minutes against Carolina, and he played almost seven minutes. He just played over six minutes against Tampa Bay. That's not a problem because that's your third your third third pair barely played in the game. Which I mean, I get you're you're leaning heavy on your top four. I understand that because they're playing you know 25, 28, 25 minutes each. But at the same point, man, you, I, I would have thought Fitzgerald would be a guy that maybe you rely on one of those. Those PK hard, you know, those hard minute situations maybe, but I, I don't know. And he has, yeah, and he has been at times. I just wonder if that, if they need to change that D pair and switch things up. It seems like they're not, they're really not working at the moment. Um, whether it's, you know, it's tough though. Cause you know, Fitzgerald works great with Bryson, but Bryson's had to play that first pairing role yeah. recently. And they're just trying to find a way to make the pieces fit. And that's, that's a challenge for not only the guys on the, you know, not only the coaching staff, I'm sure, but the guys on the blue line, because, you know, Fitzgerald's had some really good games. Um, but with this drop off, you it just not. I mean, of course, Rasmus Dahlin can physically average 27 minutes a night. But you would if you're a coach, I'm sure you would much rather keep him at that 24, 25 minutes to just keep him. It's a long season, right? You got to make sure that your best player is fresh. Yeah, you can't Tomas Shabbat him all season. Yeah. Eric Carlson him all season. You can't be doing that. Well, Eric Carlson in Ottawa, I should say. I don't know. Well, he's probably doing it in San Jose this year too. He's playing incredible, but uh, but I do feel kind of like a jinx for Casey because I, I I asked him one day in the room. I go, "When was the last time you played 20 minutes in a game?" And he's just like, "Oh, playoffs last year." I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm an idiot. I forgot about that." In Rochester, and then ever since then, 950, 952, 609. I'm like, "All right. Well, I'm just gonna not just ask a guy about ice time. Just leave them alone and just kind of like leave well enough alone." But uh, I, although Carolina gave me was minus three, but I my plus minus bad stat. I know. Shut up, everybody. I get it. I know. But minus three is still not great. They they, they need more consistency from from the other guys. Is the best way I could put it, because those again, like Fitzgerald, I think is a very he's an, he's an NHL defenseman. I think he's a, th- a good third pairing guy at this point of his career. And they just need to have have more consistency there and hey maybe a change of a d pair can can sort of switch things up but you know we'll see joe um yeah you know what what really again another thing that's stood out with them being able to stay in that game against tampa and hey playing pretty well against carolina for for stretches mm-hmm. four groups pretty deep they're actually they're actually able to roll four lines right now they, they can that can be trusted in various situations of the game. Of course, some are more th- more of a threat than, to score than others. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we should – Is I mean, it feels like forever ago at this point uh, of the week that Tage Thompson had his big game. But I think it's notable to talk about Tage Thompson's big game. Three goals, six points. What, he had 11 points in a three-game span, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah it was 11 points in three games, six goals. I say six, six, seven goals, and maybe I don't, uh, I don't know. But either way, that's a lot of points for a guy in three. Games. Yeah, and of <laughs> course, we we saw the difference on the road in Carolina and Tampa Bay when the other team gets gets second change. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're keying on Tage Thompson. They are making a a concerted concerted effort to take away his time and space as fast as possible, and it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment. Not, I mean, he saw it last season, of course, scoring 38 goals. But I mean, I think that fans could see the difference, right? When you're playing against really good teams on the road, it just there's going to be different challenges for sure for a top player like Tage Thompson. It's uh, well, I most fans understand that. <laughs> most of them do. So some were still really upset about seeing seeing that loss last night and be like, I ah, blew that game. It's like, listen, guys, <laughs> they they played a team that's probably that has a very good chance of making the Stanley Cup final to play another team that has played in the Stanley Cup final three straight years. It, it, these things happen. Like this is a very young team. It's okay. Like you, you, you gave up empty net goals in two straight games to a team that you hung with, and like Tampa's a house of horrors for Buffalo. So I mean, I'm <laughs> including not... including Brian Elliott. Sorry to interrupt you, but Brian Elliott always finds a way to beat them, and of course right. he is a big reason why Tampa won that game. The guy made some really big saves, especially early in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible how how certain guys just have your number like all the time, and Brian Elliott is definitely one of the. Like, imagine. Sabres get to the playoffs and then the other team, you know, they had the guy starting goalie and they're good. And the starting goalie gets hurt right before the playoffs. Like, oh, crap. Well, we got Brian Elliott they're playing the Sabres the first round sweep immediate. It's an immediate sweep. Buffalo's going <laughs> out of the playoffs right away because Brian Elliott is just a brick freaking wall against against Buffalo. I, I, I cannot understand it. Now, I could probably ruin this narrative by looking at his at his splits and figuring out, aha, no, he actually stinks against them. But. No, he's pretty good against them. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, it, it a me lot of goalies, a lot of goalies are, to be fair, you know, from over the years, you know, but he is very strong against them. It's, uh, I mean, it was like the the run Roberto Luongo had against Buffalo for, geez, it was like five, six, seven years. And he was just like, they, I don't, there was like a stretch where I don't think they scored on him for like four straight games or something. It was I, ridiculous. I have the numbers. In 26 career games, Brian Elliott against the Sabres is 19-4-2 and with a 9.35 save percentage and a 1.90 goals against average. Five shutouts, of course, because Brian Elliott does that to a lot of teams. Now, let's see if he has numbers against anybody better than that. Um, no. No, I, I, I mean, there's most shutouts he has against any team. Pretty good against the Flyers, man. Better save percentage, but not as many games played. Eight and four against the Flyers. Wow, this is a Brian Elliott podcast. I'm really sorry. He's eight, two and one career against Tampa. He's, he's 10, seven and three against Pittsburgh. Come on. Yeah, this man. <laughs> he's a big man, gamer. Put him against bums, I guess. He's That's good the- against Arizona. Yeah, uh, he's got some pretty good numbers against certain teams, but. Don't put him out there against New Jersey, though. Eight eight three save percentage. It's like he owns the Coyotes. Who doesn't? But like his numbers still aren't that good against the Coyotes as they are Buffalo. And listen, I I know where Buffalo's been the last few years. Okay, everybody just chill. I get it. They were bad. I understand. But like, how does Brian Elliott do this all the time? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. The thing is, Joe, to add to the Tage Thompson conversation, if you know, or just we don't even have to think back too far. You know, too far when it comes to Jack Eichel. If the top line, when it came to Eichel, Reinhardt, and plug whoever the third name was, whether it be Palmanville or Skinner or mm-hmm. Olafson, if that line wasn't clicking for a game or they had an off night, there was no way the Sabres were actually in the game. Very rarely, right? There was just no threat of secondary scoring. Now they they actually have <laughs> they have other lines that can put the puck in the back of the net. They're Power play is trending in a good direction right now. We know how volatile that sort of thing could be, so mm-hmm. we'll see if it continues. But when you got when you're strong down the middle, like they suddenly are, uh, including Casey Middlestad, Joe. Yeah, that guy. I've read about it, him on Twitter. It seems like he he is the the city villain. Oh man, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. But and they also have a lot of talent on the wings, right? So there's a lot of more options, lineup options for Don Granado to build it out. And I think that this is a good time to have a Casey Middlestad conversation because he is a guy that is polarizing a bit. Although I feel like you know, there's just some fans that. Um, hey, I mean, I drafted eighth overall in 2017. There's patience is running thin for you know for some folks, but. Through 12 games, two goals, eight points, 
Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 16.36 vice time per game, 20 shots on goal. Uh, he's winning 50% of his face-offs. That number dropped a bit over the past week. Yeah. But the advanced numbers and the eye test, Joe, um, that is the one debate that we're going to have with this yeah. player. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that one because, of course, there's been a lot of games where I've liked Casey Middlestad. But yes. then, yeah, the numbers are um, they're tough. Yeah, they're they're oh, tough when you look at the uh, the advanced stuff. They're uh he's uh of everybody who's played, you know, skater, of course not goalie. Every every skater who's played for Buffalo this year, he has the third lowest Corsi 4%. Not great. Uh where are we here? Uh where's the where's our expected goals? That's everybody loves expected goals, don't they? Expected by whom? I know. I know. I know. I know. I get it. Uh what is expected goal? Where where is he on this list? Here we go. Uh, his expected goals, 4%, 41 point, uh, 42, let's call it 42%. Not great. Not great. That's the fourth worst on the team. The guys behind him, case of Gerald, Lawrence pilot, Ilya Labushkin, uh, not exactly offensive, uh, studs there. No offense to them, but that's where it works. But middle stats, even below Matias Samuelson, which I mean, he plays with Darlene all the time. That's I, mean, I, I get it. But, I mean, he's down in the neighborhood with Fitzgerald, Samuelson, Yoki Haru, yikes, uh, and Ilya Labushkin. Like, that's that's the territory he's in right now. That's not great for your second line forward. A few a few thoughts on that. First of all, um, I would I would assume, I don't have the numbers in front of me, although I could look them up, that his most common line mate is Victor Olsen. We all know that Victor Olsen hasn't had a good start when it comes to five-on-five play. Yes, Recently, Jack Quinn's been on the other wing, and Jack Quinn's a rookie, so there's gonna there's gonna be some difficult nights, especially when you're on the road. The matchups aren't there, you know. I'm just want, I'm waiting to see them find that perfect duo, right? That really that player that helps Middlestad start to translate some of this possession into actual, you know, opportunities, shots on goal, um, the stuff that's really going to register in in terms of these advanced metrics now. Is it going to be Asplund? You know, where are they going to put with that group? Um, I, sometimes Don Granado shifted Asplund up mm-hmm. there to play with Middlestad and Olsen because those guys have a lot of chemistry from over the years. I just think that right now they got to figure that line out, that grouping out, because right now we all know the Cousins and Paterka, those two were locked. They're locked in together. They look like they're going to continue to to sort of drive the bus there for that line. The other, the right wing might shift, but. Right now for Middlestad, I like his game. Like the eye test is there. Like yeah. he looks faster. He looks the def- the work defensively. He's winning more puck battles. The mm-hmm. faceoffs are in a much better spot. Um, yeah. You're just waiting. Yeah, um, I think that he could shoot the puck more, but that's that's been Casey's since you know that's that's one of the bugs that Jack Eichel had to get rid of. A lot of young centers do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, it's so tough. Like is are the things he's good at stuff you can't measure. Like, is it, is it all intangible stuff? Like, I mean, some of it can be measured, you know, face-offs can be measured, all that stuff. But like, is this just all stuff where it's, it's, it becomes anecdotal and then we're just kind of like, well, they're doing fine. I don't get what the problem is. And then if a problem, you know, if things get sour at some point, you're like, oh wait, we know what the problem is all along. But, but I, you made me look up the most common teammate. I had to, I had, I had to see it. Olofsson and Quinner is, are his most common line mates. Okay. Uh, Okay, we'll just we'll just do. Never mind doing expected goals for with again or with without all that. I whatever, screw that. Um, everybody just got mad at me for that. I'm sure, but anyway, we'll just do we'll just do Corsi Ford for now. Middlestat without Olafson, Corsi Ford, thirty seven point nine. Olafson without Middlestat, fifty percent. Ooh. Jack Quinn, Middlestat without Quinn, thirty four percent. Quinn without Middlestat, 56.3. Yeah, there we go. Rasmus Apple, Asplund, 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 trying to be cute, and that's what I get. Uh, he, he has he's played 40, about 40 minutes. This is all five and five numbers, by the way. I don't, I don't care about all, you know, all stuff for this, for this kind of thing. Yeah. 45.9 for Middlestat without Asplund. Asplund without Middlestat is 59.2. Yeah, but that line, I right, I, I I really like that Aspel and Gergensen's Krebs line, what they've been yes. doing recently. So 
And like, yeah, I need to look at the expected goal stuff just to see if there's anything like really cool oh boy. And I would love to see the, the even more advanced stuff, you know, entries, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. I would love to see a lot more numbers on it. Just, just out, out of curiosity. Right. Because, Hey, I, I, you know, the eye, the eye test thing. And of mm-hmm. course the numbers, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, right. that I certainly know more than the numbers because Hey, data is data, but yeah, yeah man, I, I, I just think, and of course there have been games where, you know, that have been better than others, but sure. yeah, I mean, I look at those after the game and I see the numbers sometimes and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes it's not. It's uh, I, I had to look at the expected goals percent. I, I was just morbidly curious uh, with Olofsson, Middlestat without Olofsson, 39.7. Uh, and Olofsson w- without Middlestat is 43.8. Eh, yeah. whatever. Uh, Jack Quinn, however, uh, Middlestat without Quinn, 28.1. Horrendous. Quinn without Middlestat, 57.1. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Not, I haven't liked that line together anyways. I don't even want to get into the defenseman numbers because they're grossly different. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Power and Darlene, like those numbers are wildly different. Of course, those guys are playing more minutes than, than Middlestat is, so whatever. They, they can not padding those numbers, but they can just do more with more ice time. So that's, that, that's just how that goes. But man, it's, it, it's hard to look at it, to stare these numbers in the face because we like Casey, you know, like that that's, you know, us as media guys, we like him. He's, he's a nice enough guy. He's friendly enough. Like he's a good dude. Good dude. We like Casey, but like numbers are tough to argue with. And it's not a personal thing either. It's just kind of like, it's like, oh man, like find, find the, find the chemistry that works. Find the, find the group that makes that work better together. I think that's, that's the key. And I think that's how Asplund ends up, ended up on that line for a little bit, just to see if he could help correct some of that. And it didn't last very long. Yeah. He's been on the middle side's been on the ice for four, five on five goals scored by the Sabres been on the ice for five against. So that's not a big disparity there. So like I'm looking here, like cousins, of course, doesn't, you know, 10 scored nine against, you know, obviously that line with, with Paterka that they're playing more, you know, high event hockey. There's, there's, (laughs) there's, um, yeah, yeah, it's a little (laughs) bit more run and gun, which, Hey, you'll, fans love to see that so it's interesting one right and i think that this is where as a coach and you're you're building a lineup what do you change when it comes to it right because you like that fourth group as we just touched on uh i think they're still trying to work out okay is that going to be okposo on the the thompson line or or talk do they start with okposo and then switch to talk if they need to um I just do. Th- I do think they have more pieces to where it's easier to make these calls. But right when you've got Middlestead and you're looking to see how he's working with Olafson, I just I don't think that's working. So maybe it's time to try try something else. I that I agree with because because the two guys, the two forwards who have had honest to goodness rough times this year are Casey and are Victor. And I Victor's coming out of it a little bit now obviously the goals help that's 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 a big deal yeah it's weird to say that about a guy who has nine goals but you're right i mean it's it's power play it's empty net it's incredible passing my own power and hey i'm not gonna kill a guy for scoring empty net goals no fill them up man like just get all you want like who gives a crap right it's it's what it's there for it's empty net shoot at it (laughs) not gonna kill a guy well maybe you shouldn't shoot at the empty net maybe you shoot at it when it's full like all right great cool neat he's been doing that but you know it's fine but like but yeah it's i don't know i i I feel for it now victor's numbers have improved yes have improved they have gotten better lately which i mean listen ebbs and flows with him like you know it's it's such a confidence game for a guy like him like if, if, if things aren't going well in one facet, like, you know, he was struggling a little bit with, you know, with some possession, with making passes, getting plays done. It affects everything. Uh, that's why, you know, you, you pop an empty netter and it's like, all right, good. Got that, got the monkey off my back. I'm good. But now he's scoring some normal goals. You know, uh, he's scoring power play goals. He's scoring five on five goals. So that changes everything. And suddenly he's playing better. Weird. That's crazy. But it's, but like the, the first few games it was tough, but I mean, listen, you're not, 
you're literally never benching a Victor Olsen. You're probably never benching no. Middlestat either. Like, let's be real. Like that, that those are moves that aren't happening. So you have to figure out what you're doing to make it better with the guys that you have. And that's, that's the trick of the coach. That's the trick of the, the stats department too, probably I would guess. You don't scratch guys who can score, who could score goals right. the way that Victor Olsen can, right? Like, he finishes. <clears throat> he finishes when he's healthy, and he's healthy now. So, you know, I understand. And I think that even before before last season, before all the injury stuff, you know, fans, of course, were waiting for the five-on-five game to come around, but mm-hmm. wasn't as polarizing of a player. I think that people need to remember that that injury was a huge piece of last – of a huge piece of the struggles last season. And um, it's not like – and for what they're paying him – a really good price tag. It's not long term. So I just don't understand, I guess, the the reactions at times when it come, comes to him as a player. They need to get more out of him uh, when it comes to the five on five game is trending in the right direction. And I just think that it's time to shake things up at that line and figure out what they can what they can make. Right? Whether it be Aspen moving up or, you know, Ocposo playing with Middlestad is an interesting one because I know those two guys obviously have chemistry and Ocposo can help win some of those battles down low to help free some things up. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, the, the funny part of, of this is, I, and listen, obviously the Casey stuff goes back from before Don. It goes back before Kevin Adams. It goes, you know, this goes back to the Bottrell days and, and all that. But, um, uh, you know, that's where that, like that era of bad feelings comes in for, I think a lot of the fan base where they're just kind of like, this guy stinks, get him out of here. I don't like him. He's, he's a remnant of the past that we don't want anymore. Oh, okay. That's tough. But like, wouldn't you want to have Don Granado work with him more to figure out what works best for him? Like, I mean, I don't know, just crazy idea. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I just think about it like, you know, Tage Thompson, you know, the like that's a miracle worker kind of thing with Tage. That's but that's a lot of history between Tage and, and Don. I mean, Don knows him since he was what, 15, 16. So, you know, like he's he's got a better idea of what his skill set is and what he can do and what he's able to do. That's that. Pretty sure he knows Casey from, you know, from some of those early days, too. But I mean, I I certainly would have some faith in in, the, in these guys to figure out what could work better for him, what could work best, because. You're not going to walk away from a guy like you said. You're not walking away from a guy who can create goals, who can who can score goals. You're not just you're not just going to say like ah well we'll give him to somebody else and let's see if you know we can get something better for him and then oops, guy goes somewhere else and scores thirty and has like seventy points or something and you're just like oh well cool neat. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a good point. Uh, when it comes to yeah, when it comes to Middlestead, they just they just have to keep pushing forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's been their key face-off guy at times. You know, he won the face-off at the start of, uh, of an overtime previously. He's just, he's playing in big situations, and we've seen how Don Granado has used that to help players get better. The track record is there. The evidence is right in front of you with a lot of the players out there. So right now, it's a wait and see with Middlestad. It's it's right. waiting to see how he responds and with different line mates. Now, does he he really start to become an engine on the power play? Because he's got the ability there. I'm just, you know, you're waiting to see, does he really unlock that, you know, scoring threat and start shooting the puck more? Because late last season, you started to see him shooting a little bit more and starting to score some goals. So it's an interesting spot to be in. And um, yeah, Joe, I just think that right now with them being, with with the Thompson line getting a lot of attention and it's only going to get sort of ramped up here. They're going to really need the cousins and middle stat lines to continue to really start, you know, produce offense. The goals are coming for certain guys and they, they just needed to be consistent when it comes to the five on five game. I just wonder with Casey, cause you know, I think about where he's set up on the power play and his position to me has always been very clear. He's, he's meant to help facilitate. He's not there to score. Yes. Necessarily. Like that's the, that's the spot he's in. That's kind of the spot Quinn is in, which I don't, I, I don't think the mindset is there for Quinn to do that. Cause I think Quinn knows like shoot the puck. You can score goals. Like that's good. Um, but I think in Casey's situation, he looks at it as, okay, well, Tage Thompson's across the ice for me. That's the guy that needs to score the goals. Let's make sure we get the puck around him or Darlene's up at top here. Let me make sure he gets the pucks. So then he can, he can take care of his, I'll make sure the puck gets around to those who need it where it's, I don't know take take the puck for yourself be a little selfish at, at certain points where you, you if you've got an if you've got a shot take the shot as opposed to 
one more pass. We can do one more pass. We can, you know, one more pass. I'll get it done. Whereas if you got to, if you got to look at the net, take a shot, man, because he has a good shot. Like we just very rare. We don't really see him unleash it too much. It's, you know, he's, I mean, he's so good with the, with handling the puck and, you know, taking the puck to the net and, and, you know, you know, puck on a string kind of stuff, but also, shoot more man like he's same the same goes for yeah the same goes yeah the same goes for peyton krebs he only has seven shots on goal in 10 games um you got to shoot the puck more and there's been opportunities but those two guys just deferred too much that just that's that bug that young centers often have at them it's but it's funny to see it with those two guys then you look at cousins and cousins is he when he does overpass or, or he hesitates is because he's he's thinking too much about okay I need to make sure that this is the, the right shot that I'm not going to miss the net I'm going to try to pick my spot here and then mm-hmm. you know you overthink it you don't shoot and you miss an opportunity there where the whereas those guys it's it's definitely looking for that perfect play and trusting that because they are they are really good at passing the puck and their playmaking mm-hmm. abilities there. Yeah, it's just I, I just see like the the minutes played and I'm like, man, like they're you know he's averaging in Casey's case he's it's sixteen thirty six a game and he's got twenty shots. I mean, it's twenty shots in twelve games, so less than two a game. It's not it's not super. It's not great. I mean, you don't want him to Ovechkin it and try to get you know nine shots a game, but um, I don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe maybe nine shots a game is what he needs. I, let's let's think about it for a second, but. But no, it's uh, it's 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 so weird because I'm again we can see it all the time in practice. We see him wire some of these shots, and you're like, whoa, all right, where's that in the game, man? And and it's just like, no, I can make a pass to Darlene. I can make a pass to somebody else. I can make it, you know, I can I can set somebody else up for a goal. Which, listen, it's noble. I appreciate it. Your teammates appreciate it, but also your teammates like to celebrate goals too. Like, <laughs> you know, they would celebrate them with you when you score them as much as you will celebrate with them when they score them. Ranked seventh among Sabres forwards in five-on-five ice time, 137 minutes, 46 seconds. He has 10 shots on goal during that time at five-on-five. So, and you compare that, uh, let me see here, who's close, who's around the same. Kyle Ocposo has played six fewer minutes. Mm-hmm. He has 13 more shots on goal at five-on-five. So you think about that, and maybe part of that is because he's online with Olsen, and Olsen is definitely a, a shoot first kind of guy <laughs> yes but I, I but again that's that that really uh, you know makes me wonder okay do you, do you switch things up and you know get him to shoot the puck more because he's certainly capable yeah I I wonder if I don't know how you address that I, I wonder yeah I don't that, that's that's like a pull Donna side question that's not a podium question that's a that's a pull aside like okay how do you what do you do with this like how like how do you get how do you get a guy that doesn't shoot enough to shoot more. Like how do you, well, maybe that's the way we phrase it. Hmm. Yeah. Cause it's not a directive. I bet you they show them video on opportunities they missed out on. But again, like the player has to translate those lessons in a video session onto the ice in a live game situation, which ain't, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, <laughs> can't imagine doing that. Um, like studying for a test. You don't know what's going to be on the test. You can study all you want, but then if you get a bu- couple of screwy questions, right? You're like, Oh crap, what do I do with this? You know, then you're stuck. And it is interesting because they have two guys. I mean, Krebs is the same. He has six shots on goal, five on five this season, and 101 minutes of ice time at five on five. So, yeah, I mean, in the comparable, I mean, Jack Quinn's right around the same, and he only has eight shots on goal. But, um, but, but are but all eight of those scoring chances? They should, they well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you look at the shot quality. The shot. The shot quality with Quinn has shot up considerably over the past week because he's starting to earn those opportunities, and it's still higher than the middle stat in terms of the quality there. So yeah, yeah, they and again, like hey, you look at the the, the types of players that they have on this roster right now. Hennestros has been a healthy scratch, so mm-hmm. I mean they've got some some first world problems without a lack of a better way of putting it right now in terms of just getting guys to to iron out their games. They're certainly playing well again, you know, laid 45 shots on goal for three straight games. Um, you, you look at some of the numbers offensively where, where they were at before this road trip and really impressive. Um, no, it's early in the season. It's easier to take advantage of teams that are playing loose defensively. And they've got, you know, the Red Wings had just one of those horrible games where Nadal Nadjalkovic just fell apart in the third period, but you know, still they're, they're doing some good things. It's just a matter of, um, 
efficiency, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ned fell apart and then the rest of his team fell apart in front of him for the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. So doubled the score essentially. Like it's, it's tough. That's that, that was tough. That was that I, I'm hesitant to even blame. I mean, yeah, he gave, he gave up eight. I understand, but I don't really want to hang all eight of those on his head. That's, that's I'd maybe two on him. Maybe yeah. two. There yeah. were a couple where like, and again, that's mental fatigue more than anything. You're like, good grief. When is it going to end? Yeah, just can we end the game? Although, if you just want to get the game over, don't take an interference penalty by clocking clocking an opposing player right near the net and just thinking like, no, oh, I can take him out. No, don't do that. That's we've that's- got we've got ten minutes, Joe, and I think that's a good runway for our last last topic, which we touched on last week, and of course you wrote about in Bleacher Report and did. Did. the anniversary is coming past. The Jack Eichel trade was done. A year ago, Thursday, Friday. right? A year ago, Friday. Friday was when it was officially announced. Yeah. Um, so that brings us, you look at what the Golden Knights are doing, and obviously they're happy with their end of it. Jack Eichel is playing pretty pretty damn good hockey at this point. And hey, it's what we expected once he was a full of health. But the trades worked out for the Sabres as well. Not only Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, but Noah Osland. Uh, looks pretty good as well uh, mm. on their end of things. So you look at the show, um, want to hear your thoughts. Of course, Jack Eichel is going to be in the building again this week on Thursday. Um, uh, this is going to be a treat to watch uh, for multiple <laughs> <laughs> reasons. No doubt uh, about it. There's there's so much like inside baseball stuff as well as the big picture when it comes to this because the inside baseball stuff just has to do with us like us the media I guess it's inside hockey I suppose we're we're not watching any baseball baseball's over with but like it, it's it's the inside part of everything where it's like okay are a are we gonna be able to talk to Jack at all that day my guess never not at all not <laughs> they're they're gonna lock him in the locker room and just say or just tell him like you got you you got the uh, it's an optional skate today don't bother don't bother coming down or Maybe they do. Maybe he. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, Jack, I expect any, like I expect expect anything and everything out of Jack because I, I honestly like I, he's he's his own guy, man. Like he he will do. There, I mean, obviously there's there's a way that we expect it to be, but then I don't know. Sometimes there's a curveball. Sometimes there's something that comes out of nowhere. Like I mean, like him doing a shoot a shoot promo on the on the on the city of buffalo after the game last year like that's Man. that's unexpected but now it's like well, i've been making the joke. I've, been, I've been making the joke i made the joke to harry neal i said i said harry they're gonna they're gonna make the uh they have the ambulance circle the building a couple more times to really get the fans revved up beforehand like in slap shot because it's it, everybody's worked up into a lather like you know it's it it's like it was the aside from Ryan Miller night. This was the game that people circled to be like, let's go for that one. And it's completely different motivations. Yeah, it certainly is. I would think that Vegas PR would have a much better approach to this whole thing than they did last year when they tried when they tried to not make Jack Eichel available after the game, scrambled to make him available, and yeah. didn't think that hey, maybe we should make sure that Jack. <laughs> The Jack is ready to talk and he's, he's, he's ready for the obvious question about the fans booing him. So kind of a, kind of a mishandling on their part. I think they'll do a better job of it next time. You know what? Because when Jack is prepared and like, he knows that he's talking like he he can handle it and he's, he's pretty good in those situations. I can't wait to hear his reaction when um, he's asked about his comments from last year and being back in the building. And I can't wait to see the reaction. I really cannot because there are a lot, you know, there's a lot of people in this town that still like Jack Eichel for one reason or another. You can probably, you know, you can list them off, but there are even more that don't like him anymore. Mm-hmm. So in those people, they like, you know, they're going to the game to boo the guy. Oh, all yeah. right. And <laughs> he is coming. He is, go- <laughs> he is coming here to try to score six goals. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. He wants to score an Ovech trick. Are you kidding me? He wants to score yeah. nine. Put nine on yeah. the board and you know, ride the stick as a celebration. Like that's what he wants to do. Like that's, I mean, that's the ultimate for anybody, but uh, I, I tell you what, if Darlene ain't playing, I don't like that setup very well. <laughs> I don't well, like no. too well for Buffalo. And like, that's full credit for Buffalo. Like they're playing great. 
but you need mono a mono on that one. You need your best against the, their best because Jack is their best, hands down. Fourteen yeah. point team. They're they're aside from Boston, they're the hottest team in the NHL. Like that's and right. the the Jack Eichel we saw in March ain't the Jack Eichel that's going to be in the building on yep. Thursday night. This this is the Jack Eichel that we saw in 2019-20, or a better version of that, which yeah. I think that we can all <laughs> imagine it. And Joe, I really didn't give it much thought of the, about that 19-20 season until Tage's six-point game, and I was thinking about, oh, when was the last really impressive game I saw from a Sabres player where they was dominant. And of course it was Jack Eichel. I think it was his four goal game against maybe Ottawa. I can't remember, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I remember who that was. We're both scrambling to find it now, <laughs> but yeah. um, it was in 2019, 20. Yeah. It was the start of his point streak, I believe. So let me see. Ooh, that's it was memory. Ottawa. If yeah, he scored four goals on five shots. Decent. Yeah, which isn't even like that's not close to what Tage did, but just the, the manner in which he was able to score those goals and just the way that he played that night was always impressive. But uh, yeah, I, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one. It's it's gonna be an interesting night at the rink. That's for sure. I, the whole day is gonna be fascinating because again, I, I, if we don't. I mean, we don't know what how Vegas is gonna handle the day. I, do they play the day before? Because they play the day before. They're play never, two days. Play two days before in Toronto, and Toronto. Oh, I assume they were going to practice in Buffalo on Wednesday. So I assume, I bet that we are going to hear from Mr. Eichel on Wednesday, my, and my, then he'll speak again post game. My question is, how many people from Buffalo are going up to Toronto for that game to try to catch him there? Instead? It's a good, and I'm sure that they're always, I'm sure that they're prepared for that possibility. So. I mean, it's close enough. And I'll like, be locked. I'll be locked in on the Coyotes Tuesday night. So don't bet on me making the trip up north. Yeah. No, I no, I'm I don't know one game at a time as far as I'm concerned. I don't need to go digging too deep on on what Vegas is doing. Although I love what Vegas is doing. They're playing freaking awesome. <laughs> People hate hearing that in the city, and I understand. I get it. I totally understand. People want that team to burn to the ground for a hundred different reasons. Most of ninety nine of them having to be with Jack, but uh, but I mean like. Logan Thompson's having an unbelievable start to the year. Like Aiden Hill's playing great in goal for them. You know, Eichel's having a monster start. Marcia so Riley, Riley and Carlson are back together. Like they're they're riding dirty again. And Chandler Stevenson looks good again. Mark Stone's incredible again. Like all the they're all gonna, main guys are good again. They're gonna have to add a forward. There's no doubt about it. Phil Kessel is not going to hold up. Sorry, that's not that all situation's yeah. not. That's not gonna be the, the top six four that they. They imagine he'll be fine for stretches, but I can't wait to see how they navigate the cap situation. What happened, you know, with the goaltending, they are just, they're must see TV right now. Mm -hmm. And and for so many reasons, whether it be good or bad, you know, if they have a bad game, what's that going to mean? Because we all know that there is so much pressure to win there right now in a different way, right? Like they, they're not hearing it from the media, media, it's more internal in terms of their owner. They know like that organization, if you don't help them win, and expectations aren't meant somebody's on the chopping block and they just got rid of the coach. So who's next? Right. And it's like, they're not getting rid of Kelly McCrimmon. Like that's not happening. It's him and McPhee are like, you know, one, two that <laughs> McPhee, McPhee moved up in the ladder, but like it's those two guys running the show. So, I mean, they're not going anywhere unless things got really bad. I mean, if they finished way out of the playoffs then yeah, they're probably toast, but man, and to think we're ignoring William Carrier's return to Buffalo again. I mean, come on, jeez. I mean, how, what's, what's it going to take to remember a Sabre? Come on. Like, how dare us? <laughs> but like, there's an equal there's an equal chance of Carrier upsetting the fans as much as there is Eichel because Carrier plays nasty. Yeah. He's physical. He's a beast out there. I'm not, a, but like, he's just he just plays that nasty sort of edge game. Tough matchup for the Sabres. Um, the Darlene absence would loom large if that's still the case. We'll see what happens there. You know, it's it's another another couple of difficult tests. Of course, you have Arizona on Tuesday, but even they're finding a way to beat some yeah. teams. You know, you Washington can't, the other night. Come on. Yeah, they're finding a way. They have a good coach, and they've got a couple of players that are you know either meeting or exceeding expectations early in the year. But you got Boston coming in on Saturday night, so. Yeah, it's, it's going to get interesting, Joe. Yeah, it's going to well, get interesting. But yeah. hey, we said the Western Canada trip was going to be rough, and they proved. Yeah, 
proved it otherwise. So we'll see what oh. happens. No, starting out with a couple of losses on the road against, uh, you know, one divisional team, one, you know, one, you know, team that everybody hates here. I mean, latent hatred, I should say, because they kind of get out of your mind. And then you're like, people watch Carolina score against Buffalo. and like, oh, right. That's that's the trigger that set. Them <laughs> like, I hate this team so much. And they see visions of Eric Stahl and uh, Cam Ward and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian Ojo is so good. Yeah. It's pretty pretty good. He seems he to so like good. playing against Buffalo too. So like five goals his last two games against Buffalo, or was it six? Was it five? Uh, no, his last hat trick was against Buffalo. I don't know if it was. I don't remember if it was last season or not. But either way, that dude's that dude's incredible. Like that whole that whole line is wicked. They're just so fast. They're so good. But I mean, nobody wants to hear that here. Everyone, the Sabers are good too, guys. Listen, okay, they're they're playing very well. Just you know. Let us let us live in the moment. But I listen. This this week is I, I can't believe we're ignoring the Boston game. Most like, like unbelievably so because they've had <clears throat> they've had a bit of a weekend uh, in Boston. But um, they uh, they're they're playing out of their mind. They're so they've been killing everybody. They've been killing it. Linus has been incredible. Yeah, he has. He's Happy for Linus. Yeah, it helps playing on that team where the distance of shots you're facing at five on five is, you know, you've got yeah. the best opportunity to succeed playing in front of that D even with a new coach. I mean, Jim Montgomery's playing a, a defensive style. That's yeah. certainly helping all Mark, but man, like Marshawn coming back from that surgery and playing the way he is like, it's just, it's another deep team that's going to test the Sabres depth, you know, mm-hmm. up front and Hampus Lindholm's been unbelievable for them so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, of course, like we all just wait and see if Darlene's going to be able to play in these games. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I see this is why people were ready to throw dirt on Boston before the season started. And I was like, well, you know, all these guys are hurt. They're not going to come back. But Bergeron's old, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, no, they're not dead until they're buried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the zombie thing. It's like you got to double tap them. And they, they're impossible to double tap when you have Pasternak and. Bergeron, even Taylor Hall scoring, which I know that sounds like a foreign thing for people in Buffalo, but um, <laughs> that it's something else, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, Arizona game aside, which I guarantee there's going to be some kind of dumb goal scored in that game because that's, that's just how it needs to be. But Vegas and Boston back to back. Good Lord. I haven't even looked ahead at the following week to know what's coming because those two games are just so big. Like, I mean, uh, Leafs, Leafs in the next week. So you know, hey, it's it's, it's uh yeah, they got the Canada trip next week. So geez, and then our old pal Ryan O'Reilly comes in week of Thanksgiving. Isn't that nice? If he's still on the team, uh, that's that's good. <laughs> good point. They kind of stink a lot. Yeah, they stink. It's broken, and I don't know how they're gonna fix it. Yeah. Well, I mean, reading some of the quotes from O'Reilly this week, it it brought back lots of. Uh, memories <laughs> i gotta be seen that before ah, ah, i gotta be better you know what's uh eesh, ah, i gotta be better that's as close to an o'reilly impression as i'm gonna do uh yeah we're see we're 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 rambling now yeah i was what? i was just gonna dive into a criticism of the blues trades and free agent decisions but i'm not gonna do it joe <laughs> it's time for us to wrap it up that for the for, for blues week we'll do that we'll do that then uh Whose numbers do you think were better, Brian Elliott's against Buffalo or Luongo's against Buffalo? Because I ma- I had to make sure to get both of them out. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to pick against Luongo, so I'll go with him. Although he played against much better, you know, Sabres teams over most of those years. Okay, so Luongo played six more games than Elliott did uh, against Buffalo, and he went 29 and two with five shutouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a 932 save percentage. And Brian Elliott, like we discussed before, went 19, four and two with a 935 save percentage and five shutouts. So technically one fewer win, but better save numbers in well, six fewer game or four fewer games. Was it six fewer games? So I don't know. I think, I think that's a draw, honestly. It's like we both own Buffalo. <laughs> Bright Elliott and Luongo. The, the Roberto Luongo is the final boss of a Sega Genesis <laughs> game. And <laughs> <laughs> Brian Elliott's one of the 
right? The less severe bosses that is actually, it's difficult to beat, but he's not Roberto Luongo. Right. Right. It's (laughs) street fighter type stuff. (laughs) One's Sagat, one's Rage. (laughs) Oh man. Streets of Rage. Don't let's not get going on a video game bent here because that'll be uh we're yeah let's wrap things up here we've we're, yeah, already, man, I gotta, we're, we're running long and it's getting late so uh so uh yeah so lance uh please let the folks uh listening at home uh know where they can find you thank you joe uh everybody at home or wherever you're at car plane the walking beach. bike i don't know but either way you can find me on twitter at l-l-y-s-o-w-s-k-i and you can find my work in the buffalo news online and in print thank you all who subscribe and if you don't already please do joe what about yourself well you can find me on twitter as long as the site is still alive i suppose uh <laughs> we'll see we'll see how long that lasts for but uh you can find me at j-o-e-y-e-r-t-o-n except no substitutes because i don't know how many psychos are going to pay eight bucks to make a fake joe your account to get us to get a badge on it which get a life man please uh, anyway. start a discord <laughs> yes uh we really should we is yeah, that is something it. we should really we sh- I, this is even never mind twitter like this is something we should do anyways uh but you can also find me at bleacher report i'll have a couple things coming out uh this week a few things two things eh, whatever it's coming out you'll see it i'll promote it on twitter or whatever looks like twitter i guess uh also noted hockey i know i promised something for the weekend because of the two games but i got uh nose deep into Bleacher Report stuff, so don't worry. There will be stuff, I promise. Uh, thank you, Lance. This was, this was again, lots of fun. And boy, I keep saying it, but I'm so thankful to have content. And I'm so happy and thankful to have people like you folks out there listening to us. And we certainly appreciate you doing that. Uh, thank you again, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you again next.